3: Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. Now it's time for Spotlight Star Wars with your host, Ken Knapsack.
4: Here we are, everybody, Spotlight Star Wars. Welcome back to the show, the show that never ends because Star Wars is going on and on and on. Spotlight Star Wars is a monologue from me to you. Here on the Force Center podcast feed. If you're new to the feed, Joseph Scrimshaw, Jennifer Landa, and I host the Force Center main show, the big show, the super starter story of our fleet every Tuesday. Data Bank Brawl on Thursdays, other shows, as you all know, if you're longtime listeners, this is me barfing into a microphone. So there's some bigger news items in the Star Wars world. This past week, some of it fun, exciting stuff, pictures being dropped from John Favreau on his Instagram feed. If you're not following it, you might want to. That's looking to shape up uh, much like Ron Howard's Twitter and Instagram page uh, were during the uh, solo, um, I guess, shooting or reshoots of solo, depending on how you look at it. Uh, That was the number one news source. Looks like Favreau's Instagram feed might be uh, the number one news source for Mandalorian teases. Other sites doing a, a great job of snooping on the set, uh, uh, which I, I have still to this day some mixed feelings about. But that is uh, that's the business. That's where we're at. Hot scoops, hot scoops. And it's getting us a lot of great information. So, you know, you good. Take the good with the bad. And right now, the good is Favreau's Instagram page. Other stuff, of course. Breaking news a couple days ago of uh, Chuck Wendig being fired from Marvel or by Marvel, or we're still trying to figure that all out. The end result is he has uh, been pulled off the uh, last two issues of the Shadows of Vader series that he was writing. Uh, they've been recently announced, but obviously they've been working on it. And uh, possibly another uh, Marvel book, comic book uh, they were going to do and other things, unclear if it uh, also pertains to any novels. It didn't look like he was set to to write any future novels. That's the big story. And I know it's a big story, but I I don't feel right discussing it here on Spotlight Star Wars because that's something Joseph and Jennifer and I are going to talk about as a group. And Force Center is a group effort, and I just don't want to take this moment, this platform, to dive into it. I have some complicated feelings about it. Uh, The end result is one of my favorite Star Wars authors is uh, not writing in Star Wars, and not just the novels. I, I I grew to really love the Aftermath series. Um, so my favorite moments are in those books, uh, surprising moments, moments that I wouldn't have thought of, that I uh, would have gravitated to at the start of the of those that series, the aftermath trilogy. But uh, I, his Vader annual number two issue, which came out uh, this past summer, uh, Wendig uh, wrote it, and uh, it's it's some of my favorite stuff. It's one of my favorite issues of any of the of the new Marvel comics. So kind of uh, you know at the end that's the end result. that's where that is at and uh, it wouldn't be right So if you're tuning in now thinking hey new episode here on Force Center let's get the news of the world I just don't feel I should go beyond even what I've already said without uh, Joseph and Jennifer uh, here to give their views and thoughts and concerns as well. So that's a programming note to start the show. Uh, but it is uh, it is something we will be talking about, along as uh, along as, as well as some other stuff, well as some other things, some other news. We're gonna have fun diving into some episode nine responsible speculation. That's a little tease. So I'm just here with you guys, uh, trying to celebrate Star Wars, trying to keep it all positive as best we can. It doesn't mean though I'm uh, not afraid to go into some of the uh, sadder, tragic. Darker, more complicated headlines, just spotlight Star Wars as a focus on on Star Wars uh, from uh, the rose tinted glasses of actually loving this franchise. (laughs) I'll never forget. Someone someone said that in a Facebook comment that I look at Star Wars with rose colored tinted glasses. I just see the warm fuzzies in Star Wars. And clearly, God bless them, that person hasn't heard me uh, rail away on puffer pics. but also that's something yeah that i absolutely i choose to look at everything that's what we, we i think it's more important to look at things and go all right maybe i don't like that but could i like it is there something else to it and that's kind of what we bring here to force center in general but especially here on spotlight star wars and i've been watching a lot of star wars recently now you think that's normal i i, I in general watch Star Wars. It's something that's always on. But I've been taking a deeper dive into the Clone Wars again, not like an official Clone Wars rewatch. That's pretty daunting. That's really daunting to undertake. There's a lot of Clone Wars there and then depending on how you watch it or where you watch it, it's the the running order can be a little different. I think I'm watching it on Netflix right now and they do not they have the broadcast order. Which is which is fine because like Season one ends with, like, a little bit of a cliffhanger with Cad Bane, right? Like, that's how I remember it. But then you you really, if you watch The Running Order, by the time Cad Bane shows up with Aura Singh and IG-86 and his crew to uh, to hold the Senators hostage, Cad Bane's already been around, like, seven, eight episodes. He's like an old chum at this point to the the story of The Clone Wars. So I don't know. I'm always mixed about the broadcast versus the chronological order. And to this day, I don't know. I'm sure some of you listening probably know the story better than i do in terms of why it was all messed up i do something with cartoon network i don't know i never really looked into it uh, other than when i watched it as it was broadcast i i thought this is a this is a little weird right some of this stuff doesn't make uh, doesn't connect doesn't didn't in the clone wars movie started or uh, you know it's all different but it's all fine and i've been rewatching it along with other things and love un- unpacking the little layers in the Clone Wars. There's just so much. We've talked about it here. Joseph and Jennifer, said, uh, Jennifer and I have said, like, hey, let's maybe take a little deeper dive into the Clone Wars, talk about it on the main show. We all realized, all right, cool. Give us a year to research that. <laughs> Give us a year. Uh, below, I know a lot of you out there are really excited that it's, that it's coming back that was we sli- saved, so to speak. Uh, we had the great interview with James Arnold Taylor. It's up on YouTube, uh, Force Center Meets, and then we're going to do the audio version of it shortly here. But uh, pop over, check it out on YouTube. Uh, James goes into some great stuff. Of course, the voice of Obi-Wan in The Clone Wars and many, many other uh, characters. Plo Koon, my favorite little uh, secondary James Arnold Taylor voice. Um, there's so much there, but I-, I ended up, by kind of coincidence, not coincidence, just happenstance. I guess is the correct phrase word. Um, rewatching the Mortis arc, which I'd been intending to do, I've I, been for a while. Like I, I meant to do it leading up to the kind of the season four finale, the series finale of Star Wars Rebels, because you do some stuff to come back, and I didn't really get to it. That Mortis arc is some of the most interesting stuff about Star Wars. I even forget that Qui Gon shows back up. Maybe whether it's not it's uh, it's actually Qui Gon is uh, you know for debate. I don't think it is. I think he shows up really for the first time when he talks to Yoda later on. What is that season six? The lost the lost missions. Um, you know, Shmi's there, but all that stuff is fantastic. And the stuff with Shmi specifically, and it's not her. It's it's uh, you know the brother uh, manipulating the dark side of the force. Manipulated anakin but he says some real truths to anakin too and, and really gets to the the depth of anakin and i love it because this is dave filoni and, and his team and george lucas sitting down and really kind of laying the groundwork for what happens in revenge of the sith which is one of the great victories of the clone wars series to me because i am one of the people that even now when watching revenge of the sith think anakin's turn happens on a dime in the movie in the movie but we know stuff i mean gosh go back to you know seven-year-old anakin standing before the jedi council and saying i'm cold sir like that to me that's a first sign (laughs) like to me things aren't right even back then um or even him going my name is anakin i'm a boy like i'm a person whatever the quote is uh i'm so bad with quotes you guys know um I think, I think the turn's starting there, right? Um, and, and the fact that they sense much fear and all that kind of stuff that happens early on. But I, I think the big victory of the Clone Wars, particularly this Morris arc, is really digging into it. I do have a little bit of a problem with uh, one little moment, and I should probably... I don't know if it's a Star Wars grievance that I need to take to, to Joseph over on Star Wars Counseling, but Vader goes through all this stuff, gets these images and visions of, of things to happen, and it's all... Laid out there. I mean, gosh, there's quotes from Revenge of the Sith. There's this and that. It's all there. And if I, I'm funny. It's funny enough. I'm sure if they knew what was happening, gonna happen down the line in Star Wars Rebels, uh, they would put some of that in there too. Maybe Filoni can do a Mortis Arc special edition and put the Rogue One hallway scene in there. You know, um, it's all there. And then the fa- the father does the old uh, mind trick, the the mind dump, the mind erase. And there was i I hadn't really picked up on it until this time around. I was like, Oh yeah, I guess it makes sense they'd have to otherwise Anakin will really um, see what's coming and maybe make some different choices and and i get I get the idea I don't have a, a grievance with how it happens. The father has got to clear uh, Anakin's mind so as not to mess with uh, I guess the space time continuum from a certain point of view. But I just I – just, it's it's almost like the uh, erase uh, C-3PO's mind at the end of Avengers Sith. It's funny. It's funny that R2, they didn't erase his mind. But the 3PO like, oh, that would make uh, – I guess that's the answer. You need to have 3PO's mind erased and wiped clean. Otherwise, the, the events of uh, the original trilogy get a lot awkward. Same thing with Anakin. Same thing uh, with him. Uh, otherwise, Revenge of the Sith, uh, when things starts start happening, he'd be like, you know, it's uh, funny you mention it, Palpatine. I, I had a vision that some stuff was happening here. I'm okay. Thanks for playing. I'm going to leave this opera now. Um, but overall, uh, it's not a big grievance for me, but overall, that Mortis arc, if you guys haven't had a chance to dive into it, on my mind this week, it is deep. It is interesting. It is out there. I sometimes needle... Uh, from behind the microphone, Dave Filoni and some of his weirder creative decisions, including, you know, Rift Hampson. Uh I guess it makes he's a shark villain, which is pretty silly to me. But I guess Akbar was introduced in 1983 as a walk and talk in Calamari. So, you know, hell, even Chewbacca is a supersized dog. So I guess a shark villain is not a huge stretch, but there's been some weird things that Filoni and his team have put into Star Wars, which is fine. Star Wars can be weird, but I think to me, Mortis the Mortis arc is trippy more than weird, and it doesn't come off as silly. I remember watching it the first time again as it was broadcast, thinking, "What is? Where is this series going? Give me some clones fighting." And then you kind of pick up what's going on. It's pretty fascinating stuff from the mind of George Lucas. So, it's kind of always only what I want to talk about today. That's the end of the show. Bye. No. No, no. Busy times, busy times. So I can't spend a ton of time with you all today, but I did want to do a listener memory. Uh, this is what we do over on the Patreon page. You guys post your memories. And you guys, there's some... There's, I'll tell you what, there's some memories I don't know if I can ever get to and put them on the show because they're so just wonderfully written long pieces they're like little chapters in a book um so if you posted some of those this this last round when i called for star wars memories on the, on the patreon page we got just a lot of really in-depth memories so if you're you know hoping to get uh, your memory read on air i would suggest a little more concise but uh i don't want to i also just don't want you guys to have your Long-time listener, supporter of us here on Force Center. Jonas writes, Back in the summer of 1995, when I was turning three years old, oh, be still my old beating heart, Jonas. You were three in 1995. Jonas says, uh, Me and and my family uh, were celebrating my birthday at my grandparents' house. In the morning, I got my birthday presents. I remember that I got a toy electric guitar. I always loved music since the beginning of my life, so the guitar was a great gift. But... My parents looked at me and could see that I was a bit bummed out, question mark. I don't actually remember being bummed out over the guitar, but anyway, the parents thought he was. Jonas continues to write, next day back home, me and my dad swung by the toy store and returned the guitar, and he was letting me pick another toy. This time I believe that i had seen Star Wars original trilogy on a TV-recorded VHS copy with the commercial breaks. Jonas right there with you. In my mind, Vader goes to interrogate Leia, the door closes, and we go to commercial. With Star Wars oozing in my young brain, I found my way to the Star Wars power of the Force toys. Oh, yes, this would be 1995. Jonas continued. Stacked from top to bottom, I had never seen anything more beautiful. My eye quickly caught Luke Skywalker's X-Wing fighter and asked my dad if I could have it. I can guarantee that the electric toy guitar was much cheaper than the X-Wing. When you're a spoiled, adoptive kid, you get what you want. Ha ha, writes Jonas. The story ends with us leaving this toy store with a toy guitar pour, uh, and a, with a Luke Skywalker and a VHS copy of A New Hope Richer. It's one of my earliest memories in my life, and I'm glad it is a Star Wars memory. Jonas, number one, thank you for your support. Thank you for sharing that story, and I chose this memory In particular today, because as I'm uh, looking back on my Star Wars life, my fandom, um, I really have a soft spot for that power of the fourth line. And it's a silly line at times, known as, of course, the buff... Line a buff Luke Skywalker, even Mark Hamill's tweeted out jokey pictures about that. Buff Han Solo. Uh Leia's been uh, bench pressing too. All Chewy, who he's been bench pressing the Falcon, or or at least they, they added like a weight room on the Falcon. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. But for Jonas at three, this is again, we talk about the special editions. I bring up that a lot, and you guys share your memories around that time for a lot of you. That was your first interaction with Star Wars and for Jonas's earliest memory to be that power of the force line and that power of the force display back then, uh, we still were in an era where you turn the corner and it was a wall of Star Wars figures. Not quite like the '80s, but it was still kind of like that if you're in, in an actual toy store. So uh, that was it's it's so you can't you can't really get a sense unless you were there and uh, and older than Jonas at three. For Jonas at three, he turns the corner and it's like wow, it's this world and and now that's part of his introduction into Star Wars. And now you're taking that X-Wing home with you and living out your Star Wars fantasies with that with that toy in your hand. Um, toy electric guitar is not a bad thing either. But for an older generation, the big value in that Power of the Force line, as silly as it was, other than it did bring a lot of secondary characters, I have got two Moff Jared Girard figures from the Power of the Force line. Uh, what it did bring um, is this, uh, it brought it back in a way. We talk about those dark times. We talk about it a lot here in Force Center, that era to the Empire, Timothy Zahn era, where suddenly it was like, oh, Star Wars. I still like that. Uh, Other people do. Um, And the books brought it back, but again, it wasn't to a larger audience. And though there were, were obviously novels, the novelization of New Hope, Alan Dean Foster Ghost writes that he writes Splinter in the Mind's Eye Uh, The Empire and and, uh, Return of the Jedi novelizations are equally as entertaining and good there was the the Lando books the Han Solo books there was Star Wars books Star Wars comics the Marvel comic line you want to talk about weird Star Wars it was all there and a lot of people have big memories of that but there is nothing bigger in Star Wars for fans than the memory of, of the toys that's why we talk about them a lot here there was nothing, nothing uh, bigger than the toys outside of the movies themselves. And in 1995, it was like this thing, man. It was this thing. And I was in college. I was in a uh, community college in, in Santa Maria, California. And there was a Toys R Us near our campus. And between classes, me and my good friend Joel, my friend Gavin, my friend Matt, we we make trip, trips over there. And gosh, I remember... It was like Star Wars toys come out this week. Star Wars toys come out this week, and it was this certainly nostalgia grab. Like it was, I remember this. I remember being seven, eight, nine, ten, and I kind of remember eleven, twelve, thirteen when the toys were kind of out of our minds and out of our lives. And not as bigger, uh, you know. You weren't playing with them. Thirteen years old, I was inviting friends over to play Star Wars. Just tried to be cool. My inner nerd eventually won out. But the power of the force, man. It was the power of the force. And Jonas, I'm right there with you. You were three, Jonas. I was definitely older. I turned that corner too, and, and was like, wow. We're home. We are absolutely home. I'm trying to remember the first Power of the Force toy or figure I bought. I actually don't think I had any of the toys. I just stuck to the figures, and I have a lot of them in my closet right now. But I try to remember my first one. It might have been Luke. It might have been Han. I mean, I'm a Han guy over Luke guy, so that would make sense. But I went with the big characters. I went with the main characters. And I have a lot of Vaders from that era, too. I cl- I love collecting the Vaders. I have a lot of Vader figures from the different lines. Some of them hanging in my wall, some of them in storage here at my at my place. Uh, and I don't know why. I mean, I, I know I love the character of Vader, which is always kind of weird to say. He is the bad guy for most of this. Does horrible things. But I just, love the you know, part of the, the appeal of Vader, like with a lot of things in Star Wars, is, is the design, the look. Um, it ended up being the perfect design. If you look at those Macquarie concepts and other concepts, uh, I think Vader could have uh, very easily been done wrong in terms of his, uh, terms of his design. And hey, we, might, we wouldn't have known otherwise. That would have been the Vader we grew up with. But I love the concept, love the design, love the look. And so I think that's why I'm drawn more than anything to Vader figures. Han might be my favorite character or newer characters have come along and I get their figures more than I get Vader's. They've re-released the Vader and the Black Series line, the six inch a couple times. And I only have one of them. But when it comes to three and three quarters, going back to a lot of different lines. Other than that, I don't have my Kenner one because I sold that one, he says, through gritted teeth. I don't have that one anymore, but I, I do have almost every other Vader released After that, including some of the uh, early 2000s and one of the early three and three quarter black series versions of of the figure. And I just love him. I love the different attempts to get little details right. The chain on the cape, the cape itself, the lights, his pants. You got to get Vader's jumpsuit, his jumper. You got to get it right. His boots. Which makes me think about Rogue One. Vader's castle continues to be one of the more interesting things in Star Wars to be. Other than it was cool that we finally get uh, Vader's castle after we hear we heard about it It was like one of those things that was whispered yeah, they were going to give Vader a castle. I mean, some Macquarie concept art and everything. Uh, you know, it finally shows up. It was so fascinating. But I love, and I don't know about you all, but I love oh. Vinay walking in and Vader in the back to tank meditating, royal guard standing to either side of him, severed-limbed body just hanging there, pained. Fascinating to me. Fascinating to me. Now, growing up, you knew at some point he took his helmet off because, you know, Empire Strikes Back, you see it. It's a great little tease of what's to come, whether or not you'd like it was Sebastian Shaw, or wish it was Anakin, or wish it was someone else, or wish it was David Prowse himself. Um, That Empire moment, so damn cool, seeing him in his uh, hibernation chamber, just getting a little glimpse. So it's not surprising that in Rogue One we get kind of the full Monty, so to speak. Not quite full Monty, but it's fascinating to me. I love it. I love Vader's outfit. At some point, he's got to get dressed again. (laughs) At some point, I don't know what he eats. He's probably got some nutrients plugged in. That's probably why Darth Vader's so grumpy. We saw him in Attack of the Clones just having a nice dinner with Padme, cutting fruit, probably eating some sliced bantha rump, some hapabore tenders. And all this stuff happens to him. Padme dies. Anakin is betrayed by Obi-Wan. He's now in service and in league with Palpatine. He's got to be grumpy. And we see in the comics, he's grumpy. And he's got memories. He's got memories of his past. Hell, one of my favorite ones is Wendeg's uh, Vader Annual uh, 2. His return to the Petronaki Arena. But I think at the end of the day, perhaps the thing Vader is most grumpy about Gotta be his lack of food. If he's not getting to sit down and taste them roasted Ronto. Some fried Rift Tamson. Some probably better grilled. Rift Tamson grilled's probably better. I mean that's gotta make you grumpy. That'd make me grumpy. Hell, I'm trying to lose a little weight right now, get over the edge a little bit, having salads and crap. Ugh, give me a cheeseburger. I know it's bad for me, but after four days, I get a little grumpy. I gotta sneak something in. You put me in Vader's outfit, turn me to the dark side, and then also tell me you can't have a cheeseburger for the rest of your existence? Oh, I'm taking down the Rebel Alliance myself. I understand you, Vader. I see you. Weird, random thoughts from my mind about Darth Vader, the power of the Force line, and that's all I have time for you all today. But that's all right. Just a little bite-sized morsel. A little bite-sized morsel. We're going to dig into big things here on Force Center this week, and I want you to check out that. And don't forget, to. speaking of Darth Vader, I didn't even plan that, but speaking of Darth Vader... This weekend on YouTube, the Force Center YouTube page, just type in Force Center on YouTube, you will find the Darth Vader in memoriam we put out. Kevin smith's uh, my pal, edits it together and does a beautiful job of taking my silly little words and making it into something. We've got a lot of in memoriams up there, and you hear them originally here on Spotlight Star Wars. So the Vader one was a couple weeks ago. We then take them and kind of, you know, like I said, Kevin fancies them up, but I really would appreciate if you guys give them some love, share them if you like to like them or, 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 or you know, just give us give us a like. Do the old YouTube stuff. I feel I should start this with, hey, guys. Um, but just uh, do that if you will. We're trying to uh, have a little more fun with Four Center on YouTube, and I just want to focus on it here. And also publicly thanks thank Kevin for his work. Links to his work is in the descriptions on YouTube. So, with that said, and with Vader in mind, and with the power of the Force figures in mind, because I do believe, do believe we, eventually we got a figure of this guy I'm going to talk about today. I could be wrong on that. Maybe it's just because I have so many Moff J. Gerard's. Let's do a very special in memoriam through the eyes of fans of the Empire. We'll see you next week. He was a hero in the Battle of Coruscant. A dutiful officer, not afraid to stand up and take the heat. And it cost him his life. Today, we pay our respects to Captain Lorth Nita of our Emperor's Grand Imperial Navy. Apology accepted, Captain Nita. Those are the words uttered by the Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader, moments after ending the life of veteran Imperial and Republic Navy Officer Lorth Nita. Nita's well-documented death at the hands of Vader is a tragic legacy for a respected officer. Nita was the commanding officer of the Imperial Star Destroyer Avenger and was in hot pursuit of the Millennium Falcon. When suddenly that ship's pilot, rogue scoundrel Han Solo, dramatically cut off the ship's power and covertly attached it to the back of Nita's ship. What many heralded as a daring and ingenious escape was really a cheap and dirty trick by a known criminal... ...that led to the death of an honest, hard-working Imperial officer. Nita faced the music which is more than can be said for the rebel scum that populated the galaxy at the time... ...and for that honesty and personal culpability, Lorth Nita died. Force choked by the one he strove to serve so well. That's what you know about Nita. But did you also know that the Coruscant-born Nita had proudly served in the Clone War for the Republic? In fact, he was the lieutenant commander of the Republic Cruiser Integrity during the Battle of Coruscant toward the war's end. Thanks to Nita's skills, General Grievous was not able to escape that battle on his ship the Invisible Hand with the kidnapped Chancellor Palpatine, which led to Palpatine's rescue by Jedi, who would soon turn on him. But that quiet heroism was Lorth Nita. A skilled and efficient officer who simply showed up and did what was expected, and that's why he is one of Admiral Oslo's most trusted officers and confidants. And that is why he decided to take a shuttle and speak directly with Lord Vader after losing the Falcon. It was his mistake, and he was willing to stand up and be held accountable, even if that meant his death. Captain Nita died serving the Empire, his crew, his leaders, and himself, to the very gasping, choking end. Lorth Nita was survived by his family, who were immediately eradicated from the galaxy.
3: Thanks for listening to Spotlight Star Wars on Force Center. Follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod and follow Ken online, including Twitch, at Ken Knapsok. Consider supporting Force Center on Patreon at patreon.com slash Center. Go to forcecenterpod.podomatic.net for more information and use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars to join the conversation. Until next time, this has been Spotlight Star Wars on Force Center.